Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. Tory warned all of you. Tory told you he had a connected team. Tory warns you that a connected team is a bleeping dangerous team. The connected team is a f***ing dangerous team. We- <laughs> right? A connected team is a bleeping dangerous the team. The connected team is a f***ing dangerous team. We- That's not all he warns you about. He also told you he was not traveling cross-country to go get their asses kicked. We didn't come cross-country to get our ass kicked. No, they did not. Tory and the D-backs, in fact, traveled cross-country to do the ass-kicking. In fact, Tory and the Diamondbacks didn't just kick Philly's ass. They snatched Philly souls. Philadelphia, you know I love you. Philly fan, you know I love you. You know I appreciate you. But I don't know how you get up off the mat from this one. Yeah, I know you're tough. You've been there before. Except it just keeps happening. How do you bounce back? How do you get up off the mat from that? That's an 84-win team. A six seed. A team that barely got in. And they just walk right into your extremely unfriendly confines and just rip a World Series ticket right out of your hand. This is a Phillies team that look like an unstoppable juggernaut with the most hostile, insane home field environment in all baseball. And they just blew a 2-0 series lead and a 3-2 series lead. And they lost the last two games at home, scoring only two runs in those two games. Nick Castellanos, Trey Turner, Bryce Harper, they were combined 0-23 for over the last two games. Let me tell you something. That is disgusting. That is a disgusting act. Hey, but don't take it from that me. That is a disgusting act. Don't take it from me. Don't take it from Joe Buck. Take it from Nick himself. So sure. knowing how we feel about this team and we came up short uh, from what we did the year previous, I mean, it's a disgusting feeling, honestly. Oh, honestly, I believe you, dude. It's a disgusting look, too. I bet it is a disgusting feeling. feeling. It's a revolting look. It is disgusting. disgusting, It's disgusting, Jim. It is. And it wasn't just that Philly epically failed to close that deal and that their bats did not show up in the two biggest games of the season. It's that they failed to close that deal again against a team that lost 110 games two years ago. 88 games last year. They had a 50-game stretch in the middle of this season where they were just 16 and 34. They had a nine-game losing streak not that long ago. And why do I point that out? I point that out to point out that Tory and the Diamondbacks are going to get so much bleeping credit and love today. It's because they absolutely deserve all of it. They just sent a rookie to the bump to start a game seven in the most hostile of hostile environments. So a big shout out to Brandon Fott. And they also were led on offense by a rookie phenom, a sensation, Corbin Carroll. He had a monster three for four night when he had been scuffling in the prior games. Once again, Torrey himself 
was able to weave the whole thing together and work that bullpen like nobody's business. My dude got five different relievers through five innings, allowing just one single hit. That is the very definition of masterfully managing your bullpen. And it was far from the first time in the series that he perfectly managed his pen. Even though one of those times he was mercilessly booed by his own fans so badly that he called himself the least popular person in the state of Arizona after game three. Yeah, no. Try the single most popular person in the state of Arizona and the entire state of Arizona better have learned their lesson. In Tory, you trust. In Tory, you trust, and you don't ever boo Tory, especially when he's in the middle of masterfully guiding your young 84 win, number six seed team to the damn World Series. Something nobody saw coming. Well, except maybe Tory. When he and I sat on Radio Row at Super Bowl, he told me, We've got something good here. We've got something good here. You know, this dude and this team have been on one hell of a ride, and Torrey pretty much laid it all out after the game. Trust me when I say there were some real hardships. There were some very dark days um, in my career, and we lost 110 games two years ago. So for me to sit here and tell you that I wouldn't trade that in, if, if, if you told me that I would have this, I'd be coming out the other side of it like this, I would understand why I was having to go through that. I've learned so much about myself. Um, and, you know, the things that I really believe in and what I have to do every single day to keep um, remembering my own personal purpose and the path forward. It was a challenge. But like I said, I wouldn't trade it for one thing in the world because I've learned so much about what it takes to be the manager of the Arizona Diamondbacks. Freaking legend. I love that response so much. My man, time for another bender, Tori. You earned it. I'm going to go on a bender. I'm telling you. You should, dude. You absolutely should. The series does not start until Friday. Go on another bender. As high as those highs are for Tory and the D-backs, right now, the lows in Philly are just as low, and I'm guessing even lower, because that is an absolutely devastating way to blow a great season with a great team and a fan base that could not have been more locked in, more ready to scale some light poles, and slam some horse pie sandos. But, but, did I or did I not warn you yesterday, yesterday, Philly fan? I told you, put that horse pie sando down. Put that coffee down. I did. Coffee's did I or did I not warn you? Put that horse pie put sando that down. that coffee down. Because coffee's horse pie sandos are for closers. And unfortunately, I cannot call your Phillies closers. They didn't close. In fact, they did the opposite of close. They collapsed. And the worst part is they had their chances. Absolutely, they had their chances. Like I said, they got a rookie starter. They saw a rookie starter and then five innings of the D-backs pen last night. Even Bryce Harper was the first to admit after the game that he saw the exact pitch he was looking for. He saw the exact pitch he wanted, 2-2, or with two on and two outs. In the bottom of the seventh, he just missed it. Yeah, he threw me the pitch I wanted. Um, Yeah, I went 2-1, and he threw me a heater. And I just, 
Man, just not being able to come through in that moment, um, just devastation, you know, for me um, personally, just, you know, I feel like I let my team down and, um, you know, letting the, the city of Philadelphia down as well. Um, that's a moment I feel like I, I need to come through and, um, yeah. He knows. He knows. He, it's devastating and disgusting. Heartbreaking. He knows. He knows that's why he's there. He knows that's why they pay him for that moment, to come through in that moment. And the dude had been amazing for that team and worth every single penny, at least until the last two games. Now, if he turns on that pitch, we're calling him the hero of the postseason right now. But instead, we're wondering how this guy shows up 0 for 7 in the two biggest games of the year. And again, he was not the only one. Like, that's how that ballpark turned or went from the loudest, most raucous, most hostile Philly freak show ever into essentially a morgue by the ninth inning last night. It went from the most hostile place on earth to the most miserable place on earth, and it didn't take long. And you know we had to find some Philly fan reaction you got to find Philly fan reaction. you got to find Philly fan when they win, and you really have to find Philly fan when they lose. That's and the you word. really have to find, hold up, Alvy. you really have to find Philly fan when they blow a 2-0 series lead and a 3-2 series lead, and they do so in their own house with a trip to the World Series hanging in the balance. I'm guessing Philly fan did not deal with that very well. Am I right, Alvy? That's the worst loss in Philly sports history. That's even worse than Joe Carter walking us off in 93. I'm just appalled at what happened tonight. I mean, this is atrocious. I'm ashamed of even coming tonight. I was at game six. We lost. It looked just like this game. We can't even hit a beach ball. They did not show up tonight. I'm disgusted. Disgusted. That's the biggest choke job of 2023. Philly fan, you're incredible. Clones, what do you want when you're craving protein or you need more energy? Not bars, not sugary snacks, not energy drinks. You want beef, pure and simple. Where's the beef? It's in a package of Old Trapper Beef Jerky. Old Trapper is not your old man's jerky. Shriveled, dry, tasteless. Old Trapper Beef Jerky is made from lean strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a real wood fire. It's tender, it's tasty, it's not tough. And why is it so good? Because Old Trapper is a 50-year-old family business known for its relentless commitment to quality. They take smoked beef extremely seriously, and you can taste it in every single bite. Old Trapper is packed with protein. It comes in four amazing flavors to satisfy all your cravings. Quality smoked meat at its finest. It goes with you wherever you go, to the game, to the gym, to the beach. So look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. You can see the quality you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. Clones, if you do not see it, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares Old Trapper or What's Your Beef. Just when I thought that I couldn't love and respect Philly fan any more than I already did. How about that one gal just going F-bomb and calling it a choke job? They did not show up tonight. I'm. She's disgusted. They did not show up tonight. I'm disgusted. They did not bleeping show up tonight. I am disgusted. Disgusted. War lady clones. I wish you were one of our clones.
War Lady Philly fans. It's disgusting, Jim. Wow. The war. Let me recap some of that. Quote, the worst loss in Philly sports history. Worst loss in Philly sports history. Quote, the biggest choke job of 2023. Kind of hard to argue with any of those points, Philly fan. First of all, I'm not going to argue with you ever, Philly fan. I've seen your act. But then again, they're not wrong. And I hate to say this, Philly fan, but who better than you would know about a choke job? Right? And I'm not talking about Mama Cass choking on a horse pie sando or a ham sando or the fact that she wasn't choking on salad. I'm talking about the fact that Game 7 agony has become a Philly city tradition. Last night, this is an incredible stat, last night was the seventh straight Game 7 loss for the city of Philadelphia. It has been over a decade since any Philly sports team won one. The Sixers have lost four in a row. The Flyers have lost two in a row. And now the Phillies just lost their first Game 7 in franchise history. I'm disgusted. Where's your F-bomb? If there is any consolation for Philly fan, and frankly, I'm not sure there is, but it's that everybody else in the National League is feeling just as pathetic right about now. Well, maybe not as pathetic because they weren't the ones that blew a 2-0 series lead and a 3-2 series lead with a couple of chances to go to the World Series. But they're feeling pretty bad. I mean, the Dodgers couldn't even get a game off these guys. Neither could the Brewers. And remember when the Mets and the Padres were supposed to contend. Remember when the Braves were the supposed best team in baseball. Remember the various times throughout the year when everybody was all hyped up on the Reds and the Cubs. Yeah, me neither. I don't remember any of that. Because Tory's snakes are all that matter in the National League right now. So Tory, my dude, it is time for another bender. Let's bleeping party. Let's f***ing party all day! And let's get ready for a D-backs, Rangers, Lavello, Bochi World Series. I love to see it. Love to see it. Even if TV executives hate to see it. I love to see it. Love to see it. Love both those guys. And it may sound like a broken record, but it's true. The jungle karma is foolproof. Jungle Carmel. We had a caller yesterday talk about the undefeateds. You know, I always say there are some things that are undefeated in the history of time. A caller actually called up yesterday and said, you know what, Rome? I think it's time we take sex and father time off the list of undefeateds. All right, I'm not doing that because, frankly, they're still undefeated. But even if I did, what would that leave us with? What would still be on the list of undefeateds? Karma and diarrhea. diarrhea. Neither one of those things have ever lost. The jungle karma and the great equalizer. Diarrhea. You see, it's just that Philly's manager, Rob Thompson, it's not even his fault. He probably has never even heard of the jungle. But good thing he has time to find it for the first time like so many others. Because while Rob had zero karma, Tori went to Philly with checked bags 
full of karma. There is no way he could have hand-carried all of his karma. Tori had to go to the luggage carousel and claim all that karma. Probably tied a ribbon around his karma so nobody could steal his karma. Tori needed to UPS his karma to the stadium because of the plane's weight limit. That's how much karma. Tori needed to hire the Bat Boy to drive a U-Haul full of all that jungle karma. Don't tell me it doesn't exist. Jungle karma? Jungle karma. Those who recognize the show, respect the show, pay homage to the show, honor the show, have good things happen. Those who jerk with this show have bad things happen. I don't get it. I've never understood it. I just believe it fully. What an amazing story they are. A Philly fan, you know I'm not hard to find. Let's talk about this Philly fan. Or if you don't want to talk about a Philly fan, Albie, if you don't want to talk about a Philly fan, I got no problem just playing this all day long because this will never get old. Philly fan is so upset. You know what they you should be? They not show up tonight. I'm disgusted. 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 That's the biggest choke job of 2023. That's the worst loss in Philly sports history. That's even worse than Joe Carter walking us That's off the in worst loss in I'm Philly sports history. I mean, is there some I mean, recency bias there, or is this, in fact, the I'm worst loss in Philly sports tonight. history? I was at game six. It, it, it's disgusting. They're like all disgusted. We can't even hit a beach ball. They did not show up tonight. I'm hey, Philly player, I know you feel badly. I know you do. I know you do. But not as badly as Philly fan feels. You're lucky they didn't run onto the field and try to give you the hands. Hey there, let me talk to you for a minute about HelloFresh. HelloFresh is where you get farm fresh, pre-portioned ingredients, and seasonal recipes delivered right to your front door. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. Listen, a crazy schedule can make it easy to fall back into your dinnertime recipe rut. Keep mealtime exciting with over 40 recipes to choose from every single week, so there is always something delicious to discover with HelloFresh. And with so many in-season ingredients, you'll taste all the freshness of fall in every single bite of HelloFresh's chef-crafted recipes. Produce travels from the farm to your door for peak ripeness that you can taste. Given my schedule, I absolutely love HelloFresh. I love how fresh it is. I love the options it gives me. And I know that I'm eating well and it tastes incredible. Go to HelloFresh.com slash 50Rome and use the code 50Rome for 50% off plus free shipping. Once again, HelloFresh.com slash 50Rome. Use that code 50Rome and get 50% off plus free shipping. HelloFresh is awesome. In fact, HelloFresh is America's number one meal kit. All pro. He was named to the NFL All-Decade team for the 2010s. He was the 2019 Walter Payton NFL Man of the Year recipient. This season, 24 tackles, two sacks, a forced fumble. And as I mentioned, the Falcons are in first place in the NFC South. They take on the Titans on Sunday. We are joined by Calais Campbell. Calais, big man. How you doing, man? How you feeling? I'm feeling good, man. You know, I get to play football. Can't, can't, can't beat that. Best can't job beat in the that. World. 
Can't beat that, my man. It's so good to get caught up. I appreciate you. So the Falcons grind out a tough 16-13 win over the Bucks. What stood out to you about that win? And then, Clay, let's take a step back. Like, what's the Falcon experience been like for you so far? Yeah, you know, first with the game, I'll tell you, um, you know, with all the adversity that happened, you know, turnovers, you know, penalties and stuff going against us, you know, we didn't blink an eye. You know, we just kept playing football. Everybody believed. Nobody uh, doubted for a moment if we were going to be able to, you know, find a way to win the ball game. We just kept playing football. And uh, I was really impressed with our defense. You know, I challenged them earlier in the week of just, you know, really just, you know, stepping our game up to the different level, being a little more disciplined. And uh, we responded, you know. And so now we got to keep it going. Got to build off it. Good team stack wins. Uh, you know, and then as a whole, just being in Atlanta, it's really fun. You know, uh, I, I made this decision, you know, and every time you make a decision, you're like, hey, you know, it, you can go anywhere. It can be anything. But at the end of the day, you just got to make it great. And uh, so I made the decision to come here and I, I really feel good about it. And this place has been great, spectacular, honestly. Um, enjoying my teammates, you know, culture staff has been phenomenal. Uh, the city's been great. You know, um, I mean, the fan base is strong and uh, I feel like we're getting ready to play some good football here. Kalez Campbell joining us. Listen, you're never going to make it about yourself, but I'll make it about you for a moment because you've recorded sacks in back-to-back games. That moves you into triple-digit categories or the neighborhood with 101 sacks for your exceptional career. It's such a great number. It's such a great accomplishment. What does that milestone represent to you? You know, that was a big one, you know, because I feel like I only set a few goals, you know, when I was young. You know, I mean, obviously, the first goal was just make it to the NFL, right? And then it was like, if I get a chance to be there, you know, I want to be one of the best. So, you know, I, I worked really hard, put the work in to, you know, really perfect my craft. And, you know, as a, as a, as a D lineman, you know, you, you, step, you stop the run and you rush the passer. And I feel like I pride myself on being premium at both. You know, I'm, I feel like I'm one of the best run stoppers in the game really all time. And then uh, in pass rushing, you know, being the hundred sack club, you know, you know, also shows that, you know, like, man, you know, if you perfect your craft, you work really hard. Now, you know, I would have loved to got there a little bit sooner, but you know, it doesn't make any difference once you got there, man. That sack felt good. I literally, I don't know what it was. It was like a a weight lift off my back because I was chasing it for so long, and when I finally got that bad boy, like. I've been in bliss ever since. And, you know, I wish we'd have won that ball game so I could have celebrated a little harder. I, I didn't really celebrate like I wanted to, but I told all my friends and family after the end of the season, we'll celebrate. I don't know if it's going to be a retirement party, but we're definitely going to celebrate 100 sacks. I get it. You're right in the middle of it right now. Clay's Campbell joining us. You know, you mentioned the defense. The defense is actually one of the best in the NFL right now. Atlanta ranks third in total defense. They've allowed the fewest yards per game through seven weeks in this century. So they're playing some of their best ball ever. Considering all the new faces on that side of the ball, including you, how is it that this unit has come together and gelled as quickly as it has? You know, I think we still got room for improvement, you know, honestly. And uh, I think that uh, that's a testament, you know, to all the hard work we put in in camp, you know, going through the process. You know, uh, Coach Nielsen's a really good coach. He puts us in position to make plays. We have a lot of guys with chips on their shoulders, you know, guys with something to prove. Uh, we have some veterans that, uh, you know, came in from other places. You know, myself, Bud Dupree, you know, uh, David Anyamata. Um, you know, but I feel like we're in a position right now where, you know, we're just scratching the surface. You know, I, t- I mean, like I said, I challenged the guys last week. And I was like, hey, we're playing good ball. We're top 10 in a lot of categories and stuff. But, you know, like, I think we got another got another gear here. You know, we could be even better. And so I feel like, uh, you know, last week I feel like was the first time where we really, like, dominated, you know, from front to back. And I feel like uh, if we can, you know, just start building those, you know, I think we have a, you know, I think we could be a, 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 one of those best defenses. And, you know, well, I was just say we could be the best defense in football this year. 
Talking to Clayus Campbell, you know, you mentioned the coaching staff. I want to ask you about your head coach. Arthur Smith, to me, is one of the most fascinating people in the league. Like, what's not to like about a dude whose offensive approach has been described as artistic smash mouth? You've played for a lot of different head coaches in your <laughs> career. What's your take on Arthur, and how do you like playing for him? I love it. You know, uh, one thing for sure is he makes meetings fun. He's always cracking jokes, uh, keeping the light, uh, but challenging guys, you know, making sure we're prepared. Uh, so he has a good mix of, uh, of you know, focus, locked in, trying to be the best we can be, but also, you know, keeping football fun, which it should be, you know, enjoying coming to work. And, uh, you know, he's just a really good guy, you know, a, a brilliant football mind. And uh, you can tell he's passionate about the game. And really, uh, I feel like, you know, uh, a lot everybody respects him. You know, all the guys in the building, you know, uh, we, we respect him as a whole. He's just a, a really good football coach. And, uh, you know, I hope that we continue to get better, you know, at the end of the year. You might be able to get one of those Coach of the Year awards. Class, let me ask you something. You're 37 right now, and you're playing at a really high level still yet. I know that you have studied other guys that extended their careers to play at a high level late into their careers, guys like Tom Brady, LeBron James. Like, How do you approach it right now in terms of spending that extra money, working with specialists, taking care of your body, working on your mind? What are the types of things that you do right now to ensure that you continue to play at this high level this far into your career? Yeah, you know what? Uh... <laughs> It's a process. It's a process. I've uh, been very fortunate to come behind a lot of great people uh, that played well uh, for, you know, late in their career. You know, uh, uh, another person, you mentioned a few of them that studied, but Bruce Smith is another guy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I just felt like uh, you learn from those guys who are just, you know, who, do, who, who did it before you. Uh, but the formula is pretty simple, though. You, you know, just got to take care of your body. Some of it's, you know, fortune from, you know, from the men above. And so, um, but at the end of the day, I, I feel like, uh, you know, I'm, I mean, dry needling, massages, you know, cupping, fascia work, uh, ART, active, actively therapy, you know, physical therapists coming, you know, uh, pretty much uh, every day there's somebody in my house. I, I usually fly in from a different city that's a specialist in the top of the top at what they do to kind of help me, uh, you know, prove, make sure my body's available so I could be out there on Sunday balling. And, uh, you know, I mean, it's worked so far in my career. I figured I'd ride it till the wheels fall off, uh, you know, but eventually, I know Father Time's gonna you're gonna gonna get me. You know, it's undefeated. But I'm just trying to win another round, baby. Just win one more round. Glad you said that, my man. We had this we had a debate earlier this week about Father Time being undefeated. It's undefeated. It's never been tied. It's never trailed. It's never lost. It's undefeated. I'm glad that you uh, support me on that one. Let me finally ask you. I mentioned that you'd won the prestigious Walter Payton Man of the Year Award in 2019. You've always given back. That's always been a really major part of who you are and what you do. What is the 100 sack give back program? How does that work what is that exactly yeah you know it really started last year you know when i uh i felt like i had a good opportunity to get to that 100 sacks and i was talking with my uh my team and my with, the, with my charity and i was like you know i want to do something special you know in the community you know when, when i get that 100 sack and so uh, we did the 100 sack give back and um i decided that i wanted to work with teachers you know because i felt like they have the most important job in uh in all the world and that's uh you know uh, arming our kids with the tools they need so the future can be bright. And so uh, I've always had an appreciation for teachers and, and the hard work that they put forth. And I know that a lot of them are under underfunded. You know, they don't have what they need. They go into their own pockets to, to be able to provide for the kids in their schools. And so, uh, you know, I, I've done other things with teachers before, but I feel like, you know, when I get my hundred sack, when I, when I when I was looking forward to getting it, I was like, this would be a great program to, to, to attach with. So I partnered with Kids in Need Foundation. Uh, you know, I, I decided I was going to give away $100,000 to 100 teachers. So $1,000 each, you know, they get $500 
dollars in, in in gift in credit. Um, it was five hundred dollars in supplies, and then five hundred dollars in like a credit uh, to go to the classroom to buy what they need to for whatever they need. Uh, but uh, it, when it really came down to it, though, uh, I, I had to do one hundred and fifty because I couldn't leave out. Uh, you know, I couldn't leave out my, Miami, and I couldn't leave out Denver, so where I grew up. So uh, I ended up being one hundred fifty thousand. But hey, you know, uh, it's, it's a good feeling to be able to to reach back and help some people uh, try to make the world a better place by raising our kids the right way. And uh, at, the, at the end of the day. You know, uh, you know, I love this football game. It's been really good to me uh, and the communities that have supported me uh, throughout the years. Uh, you know, all the places I've played, you know, people buying tickets, showing up, showing a lot of love. You know, I've always felt so, uh, so appreciated. So this is my way of just showing my appreciation to them. My man, all class. What a great program. Falcons 4-3. and three. They're in first place in the NFC South. Clay's Campbell now with 101 career sacks. Clay, it's great to have you back on the show. You know, I appreciate you. I appreciate the access, and it's always good to talk to you. It always makes it better. Great having you on the show, big dude. Hey, man, it's always a pleasure to talk to you, too. You know, it has been a little while, but every time I talk to you, I always feel better leaving the show, so I appreciate you. Me, too. I appreciate you. Clay's Campbell. Everybody would say that about Clay's Campbell. He makes everybody feel better. This is why we all want to talk to him. He is just such a good dude. Amazing player, great guy, great heart, larger than life. Just one of the best of all time. Clay's Campbell. U.S. Cellular knows how important your kids' relationship with technology is, and they have made it their mission to help them establish good digital habits early on. That's why they have partnered with Screen Sanity, a nonprofit dedicated to helping kids navigate the digital landscape. And for a smarter start to the school year, U.S. Cellular is also offering a free basic phone on new eligible lines, providing an alternative to a smartphone for kids. Start smarter with with U.S. Cellular. Visit uscellular.com slash built for us to find out more. Restrictions to apply. Visit uscellular.com for terms. Listen to Michigan man just snapping. Listen to what Michigan man has resorted to. At Ray Jaworski, 1291 sent me this. Quote, quit being a dumbass and get off Michigan. Everybody does it. A guy making that argument called me a dumbass. I'm the dumbass. Quit being a dumbass and get off Michigan. Everybody does it. Eloquently said, Michigan man. Great argument. Listen to yourselves. That's something my eight-year-old would have said back in the day if I came down on either one of my kids. Hey, you can't do that. You're punished. Dad, everybody does it. Does everybody do it? I'm going to say no. Everybody doesn't do it, but don't take my word for it. I'm just a dumbass, eh, Raymond? Great take, Ray. Quit being a dumbass and get off Michigan. Everybody does it. Two things. Everybody may, in fact, do it, but they don't. But even if they did, you're the ones who were dumb enough to get caught, allegedly. But why don't we go back to the first point that, well, your first point about me being a dumbass. It's amazing that they let dumbasses on the air for more than 30 years and let them in the Radio Hall of Fame. Funny how that works. Quit being a dumbass and get off Michigan. Everybody does it. All right, you've got my take on it. Why don't we ask somebody more credible than me? Why don't we ask arguably the best coach in the nation right now? Why don't we ask Kirby Smart if Everybody does it. And is this 
what's normal. Hey, Kirby, what do you make of this whole thing? Yeah, I never heard of anybody going to the games to watch the film and do all that, all the stuff that's going on, anybody's talking about. Right. I, I don't know anybody that's ever done that, or I've never been asked to do that as a young coach or known anybody to do that. I don't, I've never heard of that. I don't know, Ray. Everybody does it, but Kirby Smart has never heard of it. He's never been asked to do it when he was a young coach. He's never seen it. He knows nothing about that. What's his motivation? To lie. Yeah, I don't know, Michigan man. Instead of pushing back and calling me a dumbass, maybe you look in the mirror. Maybe you look at your program. Maybe for the first time ever, you own something. Your coach suspended himself earlier this season. So don't act like these things could never happen. Something happened earlier this season already. But I'm the dumbass. And everybody does it. Well, if everybody does it, Ray, and not everybody does it, Ray, but if everybody does it, you're the only one seemingly who got caught. And let me ask you something, Ray. Have you seen that picture of Stallions like standing right behind your idol, Harbaugh, on the sideline? What's that guy doing there? What's he doing? What's that guy doing on the sideline right near the head coach, Ray? Is that a coincidence? And even if you want to argue, hey, man, even if you want to give Harbaugh the ultimate benefit of the doubt and say, that dude over there, Stallions, dude, that dude is a nut. That dude's crazy. That dude is obsessed. That dude had a multi-hundred-page Michigan manifesto. He is the all-time fanboy. Maybe. I'm not saying fans like that don't exist. But what I want to know is, how do they have access? Access to the sideline. Access to the head coach. Access. And, and, you know what they're going to do ultimately, Ray? You know what they're going to do, Ray? They're going to follow the money. They'll do what they always do. They'll follow the money. The guy was on payroll. He allegedly made 55 grand a year. If, in fact, he was buying all these tickets, if he's just that fan-crazed fanboy, how many tickets could he really buy living on 55 grand a year? Not as many as has been alleged, I would allege. So if they find out that somebody else funded those ticket purchases, you're screwed, Ray, because your Michigan men are screwed. And then you'll really be screwed when the Michigan man bounces for the NFL and none of it sticks to him. Do better, Ray. Do better than calling me a dumbass and tell me to get off dumbass. Michigan because everybody does it. That sounds like something my eight-year-old would say. Or a dumbass. dumbass. It's not an eloquent or persuasive argument. Quit being a dumbass is not a take. Or a good argument. If you want to pick apart my argument, you go right ahead. But calling me a dumbass and telling me to get off the program and that everybody else does it is not picking apart my argument. It's actually not even factually accurate. I think I'm pretty safe in assuming that everybody doesn't do it. Now, are there others doing it? Probably. Probably. Notice what I'm not saying. 
I'm not saying you're the only ones doing it, allegedly. I'm saying you're the only ones who got caught. There's a guy in Wisconsin who wants to weigh in. Yo, Rome. Word around the street is that one of the cheating Michigan scouts was caught when his fake mustache fell off while videotaping, and another spy was caught when the piece of paper that was taped over the Michigan logos fell off his clothes at the Michigan State Rutgers game. Really goes to show Jimmy H.'s master scouting plan, allegedly. Max in Wisconsin. Look, once again, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. What's your face? Who called me a dumbass? He didn't know. Harbaugh didn't know. This guy's roaming the sideline, but Harbaugh didn't know. All right, he didn't know. I accept that. I don't, but I will. I'll play along. He didn't know. He should have known. It's his job to know. He's the head coach. And then again, at the end of the day, say what you want about the NCAA. They don't care if he didn't know. He is responsible for what happens within his own program. But I'm the dumbass and everybody's doing it. Well, if everybody's doing it, the NCAA is going to be really busy penalizing every program in the country. How long is that going to take? Until the year 8,000? Hey, Romy. I saw the sign. Ace of basingly yours. That rogue Michigan staffer. All right, so Harbaugh knew nothing about it. How was this dude able to infiltrate the program? Infiltrate the program, get onto the sideline, and communicate with Michigan coaches. But they knew nothing about it. Other schools in the conference knew about it. But the school allegedly doing it knew nothing about it. Michigan fan, just make that make sense, and then we can have the conversation. But you have to do better than stop being a dumbass. Get off of us. Everybody's doing it. That's not going to dissuade me from having this conversation. It doesn't reflect well on you, Michigan man, that that's the argument you're making. Stop being a dumbass. Get off of us. Everybody's doing it. I can say with extreme accuracy... Everybody is not doing it. Kurt Signetti. Kurt, great to have you on. How are you feeling? Feeling good. Feeling like I got to get ready for a big ball game on Saturday. How are you feeling? Yeah, I'm feeling great. I'm feeling awesome. You do have a big one coming up. And let me ask you this first. You followed up an eight-win season by ripping off your first seven games to start this year. So, obviously, so far, so good. What are you most pleased with regarding this team? And what do you think are the biggest reasons why you're undefeated heading into the last game in October? I think the thing I'm most pleased with is the day-to-day focus uh, that this group has, uh, how hard they play every Saturday. Uh, You know, I send the message, they receive it, and they apply it uh, every day. Our practices have been consistent. You know, we've been able to eliminate the noise and the clutter, which, you know, the more games you win, and in our particular situation, there's a lot of that out there right now. And we've got a mature group and uh, good leadership and just the way they go about their business. They're united uh, in terms of, uh, you know, the vision and what we're trying to accomplish here. 
So, Kurt, I want to pick up on that notion of the noise because you're one of just nine teams that are still undefeated, and you're getting a lot of national run. You're being ranked in both the AP and the coaches poll this week for the first time in school history. Given all of that attention, and because you work with Nick Saban at Alabama from 2007 to 2010, are you reminding your guys to be wary of the rat poison that is social media hype and all the adulation that everybody is telling them how great they are? Oh, there's no doubt. Yeah. Uh, rat poison. Um, that term hadn't come up in a little bit, but uh, yeah, every single day, you know, it's about controlling the controllables, eliminating the noise clutter, rat poison. There's a lot of that out there right now. And it really comes down to, you know, how good do you want to be? Uh, do you want to be great or do you want to be average? And, you know, normal is average and normal would spend time on social media and then enjoying those pats on the back. Whereas, you know, great requires kind of special qualities, special focus, commitment, discipline, preparation that's put out on the field on Saturday. So that message has sort of resonated with the guys and uh, so far so good. Can you, I mean, if average in fact is the enemy and I'm sure you would tell me it is, can you coach that up or do you just recruit that? In other words, if you have a guy who's a four-star guy, maybe a three-star, five-star, whatever, and you see the talent and you know what's in them, but they just don't want it as badly as you want it for them, do you bring that guy in? Can you coach that out of them? Well, uh, you know, let me say this. It, first of all, that is taught. That that That's a mindset and that's a mentality and that's an identity of who you are and what your program is all about. And you're always trying to avoid complacency. You know, this business used to be about recruiting and development. Now it's recruiting development and uh, retention because of NIL and the transfer portal. Uh, in terms of selection, I think you got to take the right guys. There's a lot of good players out there. Uh, and, you know, we try to take guys that have a strong foundation of character, or had a good role model growing up. And, uh, you know, it's a little different now because of COVID. A lot of guys got that extra year. You're dealing with a lot of fifth, sixth, and some seven-year players. So, you know, they're older guys. Now, uh, to teach 17, 18, 19-year-olds uh, that, it takes them a couple of years to get it usually. Now, you, you'll get maybe three or four out of 20 that get it right away. And those guys usually see the field, you know, as freshmen. You know, and then you've got guys, we're talking to Kurt Signetti, then you've got guys that have been in other places, and then they bring in a different sort of background or mentality. As an example, your quarterback, Jordan McLeod. So the offense is lighting it up. You're averaging 32 per game. I'm curious, what's he brought to the team both on and off the field after he had previous stints in South Florida and Arizona? You know, it, it actually took him a little while to kind of get going and assimilate uh, – he, first of all, he hadn't played football in a couple of years. You know, he had an injury at Arizona and went almost two years without without playing. And and he was part of two programs that weren't successful, which brings a whole different set of circumstances, too. And whereas this is a program that's been extremely successful. So he didn't start the first game, uh, but we put him in the middle of the third quarter. He did well started the next week against Virginia, uh, which was a big in-state win at Virginia. He has gotten better every week He and improving. He's got natural quarterback ability and talent, comes from an athletic background, obviously. Quick decision maker, uh, can make plays with his legs, 
and but really starting to develop as a leader. Uh, I wouldn't say it was there uh, with in terms of all the things you're looking for in a leader uh, day one, but it it's it's gotten to that point now where he's proven himself on the field. You know, he's come back from injury. He's made plays in critical situations, and and the guys are really gravitating toward him. James Madison, top 25. They're undefeated. They're 7-0. They're 4-0. They've won 10 straight dating back to last season. They've got a big one against Old Dominion coming up this weekend. Kurt, I want to ask you something, and I don't want to ask you to comment specifically on what's going on at Michigan, allegedly, but I just want to ask you for the fans who don't really understand or they've got a strong opinion, if in fact that program or any other program is physically going to other games to scout and or tape, what is your reaction? And do you think that type of thing does go on? How serious is it is what I'm getting at? Well, I'm not the investigator, so I don't really know that much about it. I know we play some teams that do a better job of picking signals than others and make it a point of emphasis. Now, what extreme are you willing to go to? You know, you get to that point in the Big Ten, the SEC, pulling in all all those big bucks right now. Uh, a lot of pressure to win, so you know maybe you're willing to go to an extreme to get that done. I'm not saying they did, but it wouldn't shock me. I would say this also: picking signs like if you do it in game, it's fine. I mean, there's that's not even an opinion. That's it's legit, right? I mean, if somebody and and certain guys have a knack, right? Some guys are just really good at it. They can sit and they can watch. Is it not in game? It's acceptable, right? It's fine. You just know that if they're picking our signs and they know what we're doing and they're blowing our stuff up, we better change the signs in game. That's right. Shame on us then. Talking to Kurt Signetti about that. Yeah, I, I understand why you can't really elaborate on that. I just think it's interesting. And, you know, there are those who are saying it's not a big deal. And then those who are saying that it's a really big deal and everybody's got their own agenda. What about that matchup on Saturday night? So you've got ODU and you're going to move deeper into conference play. What are the bigger challenges they present? And then what kind of an atmosphere are you expecting for your homecoming game under the lights? Yeah, this place will be sold out. It'll be wild. You know, we have uh, great fan support here and, and a fan base. And and when they come, they're, they're, they're into the game. Uh, you know, the streamers are flying when good things happen. It's You know, we're 53-3 and three at home over the last seven years. And uh, ODU is an in-state rival. We actually uh, beat them last year for the first time. Uh, they had played previously a while back when both teams were one double A. Games were close, but they had won. Last year, we handled them pretty good down there. I think it was about 38-3 or so. But they're very much improved. Uh, you know, they've got a uh, a new offense. They spread you out, kind of like the Art Browse baylor stuff or what Tennessee does. And uh, that creates issues, uh, especially in the run game. Uh, you know, if they crease one and get in the secondary because you're covering down guys that are lined up over Mars and Jupiter, you know, they're so wide. And so they're good. They've had a lot of explosive plays on offense. Their defense is a little different than you normally see, and they really fly around. So, I mean, they've won four of their last six, and the, and the two losses were by three points to Wake Forest, a game that they led almost the whole game. And then at the end of the game, they lost to Marshall on the last drive. So um, it's it's a big game. It means a lot for in-state recruiting, and it's an in-state rival. It means a lot to people who love JMU. 
It's a big game. GMU, once again, 7-0, 4-0. They've won 10 straight. They are ranked in the top 25 in both polls. And this is a big one Saturday night under the lights. Kurt Signetti is the coach at JMU. Kurt, good to have you on. Good luck this weekend. I know it's a big one. Great to get caught up with you. Thanks, Jim. Let's go to John in San Diego. Hey, John, hey, good to have you. What's going on? Hey, Jim. How are you doing today? Good, John. How about you? Uh, I'm hurting. I'm hurting. Um, as a lifelong Philly fan, even though I grew up in San Diego, going to Phillies games as a kid with my family, I just I can't believe what happened. The Phillies went out there, okay, took a giant dump on the field, and then they just let Arizona just walk right all over them. It's it's ridiculous. And and at what point is somebody going to just learn how to just get a hit? That's all. Just get a hit, okay? And and then on top of it, now you got James Harden doing James Harden things with the Sixers, okay? And it's just going to be a big mess in Philly once again. And and I just I don't understand what's going on over there. I don't understand what they're doing. I don't understand the mentality. But I'm going to give all the props to the Arizona Diamondbacks. They went in there, they handled their business, and now they're going to the World Series. So props to them. And if I can, and all I have to say right now is I'm going to quote Princess Leah, help me, Jalen Hurts. You're my only hope. I'm out. My man. Nice job, John. Well done. Way to get up in here and own it. Rich in Philly. Nice to have you on the show, Rich. How are you? What's up? Romy Rome. It's so quiet here. <laughs> the streets, I took a walk for lunch. The streets are so quiet. The poles are all shiny with grease. The bus shelter roofs are all being repaired by city workers, but they're not saying a sound. People aren't talking. No more red hats, no more red jackets. Now it's green jackets and green hats, but it's so quiet. COVID was louder. It was louder during COVID, Rome. The streets of Philadelphia are dead silent. We've had the air sucked out of the city, sucked right out of the city. No horse poop. No pole climbing, no bus shelters being repaired and crashed into. It's quiet, Rome. I don't know how we're going to get through this. My man, I don't know if it'll make you feel better, Rich, but I would like to give you a golden ticket for that. That was such a supreme effort. Because I've got a golden ticket. Now, I don't know, Rich. You may not have another gear. Probably what I assume is the opposite reaction. I might say to Ernie in Tucson, my guy, how loud is it in Tucson? We go there right now. Ernie, how you feeling? Jim, it's awesome following Eeyore. I just have to laugh. Um, Yeah, we're in the playoffs, baby. It's great. Yeah, World Series. We got this. Um, I told the screener I am absolutely a uh, bandwagoner. I had no idea. We lost 110 games uh, two years ago. But, yeah, go back. Yeah. Uh, Stimulating the economy. And, uh, you know, it's been 20 years plus. And we're enjoying it. And uh, partly the reason I called is Calais Campbell. We lost him back in the day. But he is an awesome, awesome guy. Uh, I always liked him. And the fact that he won the Walter Payton Award just speaks to uh, his uh, sense of community. So, Jim, thank you for brightening my day. And, yeah, go Diamondbacks.
You got it, Ernie. Nice job. Thank you very much. One thing, though, Ernie, what do you mean you haven't been here in 20 years? You didn't even know what happened two years ago. How do you know what happened 20 years ago? <laughs> Ernie was great. Credit to Ernie for saying, hey, man, I'm a bandwagon fan. I didn't even know that we lost 110 games two years ago. In fact, I wasn't even a fan until about a week ago. I didn't even go backs. I didn't even know we had a baseball team until like 10 minutes ago. Go backs. I like that. Uh, that actually made me laugh too. We go to Ryan in Santa Barbara. Great to have you, Ryan. What's up? Romy, my homie from another mother, but my gaucho alumni brother. I'm coming in a little, uh, not too excited today, but wow! Dude, I, I I I love that interview with with Claire and 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 go D bags uh, or Diamondbacks, I should say. Sorry, and I I just wanted to give you a shout out, dude. You you're putting on such a, a insane program, brother. And I, I love listening to you every day, every morning. And, you know, again, my offer comes to you. You know, I got three jobs. I work remote. I teach. I have a wine tour business. And, what, you know, and I take people up to the valley where your mother lives. I want you and DJ to come up here. And, I, you know, like I said, I'll take you on a, a tour tasting. We can go visit your mother, or I just drop you off, whatever. Anyway, brother. Hey, Ryan, tell me really quickly, aside from the wine tour business, what, remind me, what are your other two gigs? Uh, okay, so, um, well, one uh, I have to kind of keep private. It's uh, cannabis. And then the other is I'm in IT, so I I, um, I, I sell internet technology to enterprise corporations, you know, throughout the world. Bro, I love it, and, man. Uh, Dude, I can't yeah. knock that hustle. I love it. I love it. My man, rack him. Let's go to Lake Michigan. Pete. Appreciate the phone call, Pete. How are you? I'm doing great, Jim. Thank you so much for getting me on. Um, I got to say, I've been having a rough, rough couple months and uh, listening to your show every day, your energy it's just amazing. I, I thank you so much. Uh, and now talking with you is just totally making it all, all, all come out. But uh, I got to tell you about a Michigan man. A Michi- I'm a Michigan man. Uh, a Michigan man is a man who is six foot or taller. Michigan man that uh, he stands tall and he doesn't have to stick his chest out, but it's basically already out. When he wants to do a room, you know, it's just like you know, everybody knows he just walked through the door. A Michigan man knows the city of Detroit. He knows the uh, ins and the outs, and he also knows the Upper Peninsula, the ins and outs. We got bears, we got gangs. Michigan man can handle that kind of thing. Uh, Michigan man, Jim Harbaugh is a Michigan man, and and check it, he's getting all this, getting all this uh, heat, but uh, he puts himself out there, and he can handle. It. You know, he's not up there, uh, go fall apart or say nothing dumb. Well, he is a little crazy, but uh, you know he can handle. It. He puts himself out there, and all this was nobody does it or. Oh, never heard of it? I mean, come on, man. I, I mean, come on, man. Uh, that, that, that's great responses from the other coaches, but I say, I've never heard of that. I, I mean, I'm denying it. A Michigan man would deny it till he dies, you know. Uh, it, 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 if you're not cheating, you're not trying, and uh, 
uh, War Rick and Buffalo. Thank you. Thank you so much, Jim Rome. The pimp of the bass. All right. Good night now!